Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. Art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. They say it's not about the destination, but the journey. And while every story has a beginning, we're here to talk about the end. Hey, everybody, it is Podcast Rob and James Hatton. And we're here for another fun filled and Interesting episode of The End. Yes, The End. Ah. This is a show that I was hyped about. Um, few shows have I gotten so sort of umpidly hyped about prior to just from trailer. And in this case, I had read the book um, like Westworld is up there, but... Watchmen, I know, was one for you. This this was... I was hyped. Every week, this was must-see TV. Haven't had a show probably since this one went off the air that's been must-see TV every week. And here we are at the end. Yes, and you and, and I think the important thing that you say is every week. Um, so when this show came out, I, I am not a purveyor of the... Uh, premium channels so like mm-hmm. i don't have cable i don't do the cable thing uh, i i hadn't at the time done the hbo or the showtime separate stuff i was i was a netflix guy up until recently and i was a hulu guy up until recently. you're the one yeah exactly i'm netflix, the one all that problem um me and the 200 million people who share my password apparently um <laughs> So every now and then Hulu will do like a, hey, here's a free uh, HBO ad on weekend or here's a free Stars week to watch stuff. So, and uh, Watchmen and Lovecraft Country were both on there for their free week. So I powered through Watchmen, which we already talked about. Yes. And I powered through what was available for Lovecraft Country. And I could have swore that it was the whole thing. And apparently it wasn't, because in rewatching the whole series recently, it was just like, I don't fucking remember this happening at all. And I realized that I had gotten to the first episode that I hadn't seen when I watched what I thought was all of it uh, months ago. Um, but yes, I am. I, I love a good Lovecraft story. Uh, I would like to love a good Lovecraft movie. Mm-hmm. I have not yet seen one. 
Um, and you did, yeah, you and there there are movies that I think get a little bit of Lovecraft right. There are movies that like glance that skid the stone off the lake. Um, and that might be a good episode for the future of just sort of Lovecraftish movies. Oh, I one hundred percent. Write that down. Yeah. The uh, because... I mean, I did see Color Out of Space. Yep, that's one I'd put on that list. Uh, the problem I have with Lovecraft movies in general is it is Lovecraft movies fit into Alan Moore's defense more than Alan Moore's books fit into Alan Moore's defense. His whole defense is the stuff I write in books and in comics cannot adequately be translated to the movie screen. And I, I yes. think we've already seen that incorrect twice, at least. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Continue. I don't, I because Lovecraft's stories just seem to rely so much on letting your own imagination fuck with you, mm-hmm. that when you're reading and you're hanging on every word, that can really mess with you. When you're watching it, it just becomes... Hey, there's not a whole lot going on. Colorado Space, like, I felt like I knew what it was trying to do. It just felt like the wrong medium for it. Yeah, and I think the aspects where, but I think the Color Out of Space did, what they did right was there's a certain palette. There's a certain tone and look that I think they like really got closer than almost anybody before oh, with the one, overly saturated 100%. colors. They made sure they grabbed the 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 box of crayons that mm-hmm. said you know Euclidean geometry on it when they when they color palette that one hundred percent. But the story was just like mm. yeah. And there's been so many other sort of oh there is a you know whether it's the gate or. You know, where there's a giant evil monster, something, something right. trying to. You're right. In the, I, I think in the mouth of madness is, for me is probably the closest. Sure. And that's not even a Lovecraft story. It was just no, like, hey, what if we did it? What if we did a movie that felt like a Lovecraft story? And they nailed it. But that and is. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, but I think Lovecraft Country does an aspect of. Um, Lovecraft. Also, I think it it definitely has found a spot in the Lovecraft lore to plant its flag, and it does it very well. Oh, one hundred percent. I really, I really, really liked this series as a whole. And while I was kind of upset that they weren't doing any more of it, the way this one ended, I think it was probably for the best. Hmm, maybe. I'm hit or miss on it. Having rewatched the finale, um, which I'm sure we'll get to since that's the point of this episode. It's the um, <laughs> show concept. Yeah. I definitely think if they knew they weren't getting a second season, and one of the reasons that they aren't was because they really didn't have a map for season two, a whole map anyway. Um, it felt like maybe they should have given some definitive ending to one or two pieces, but... I do understand that they want to leave some breadcrumbs just on the off chance a year or two from now. They go, you know what? Let's all, let's get the gang back together. Um, but I do agree. This is a complete whole story. 
They did it very well. It's different than the book in dramatically big ways, but I think those decisions were, like we were saying, smart for a visual medium. Um, it made it much more striking. It made certain choices much smarter. Uh, it made the cast a little bit bulkier. So, but yeah, let's let's discuss. I mean, first off, the the fact that there were multiple shows both in Watchmen and Lovecraft Country, about historical struggles of people of color, both in genre fiction, was fucking awesome. So cool. Um, I was unsure whether or not the book language and story, um, because it's so based in historical problematic behaviors mm-hmm. that I, I was concerned about how it would translate to television. Cause sometimes they go a little bit more reserved. Um, and I think they skirted the line at the perfect, perfect ways. I th- really, really dug what they did there. And whether this is the, you know, whether this is because uh, Jordan Peele has gotten so popular that they like movie companies feel that they can trust having a black story in horror or a black story in superheroes or a different cultural experience than white dudes in capes and white kids fighting monsters. I'm all fucking about it. And right. it was so nice to see that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, getting into the meat of what the episode is about, we are going to discuss episode 10, Full Circle, which is the season-slash-series finale. Yes. Uh, we, we've already had quite a bit. <laughs> it's a dense show. Thrown at us up to this point. Um, we basically have, uh, have gotten to the point where Tick and Letty and, uh, Montrose are trying to stop Christina from doing the spell that will give her immortality because Mm -hmm. doing so will kill Tick, Atticus. Um, and Atticus is adamant of the mindset that that's just one possibility. And as long as we will that to not be that possibility, we can make things change. We have the book of names. We know how to translate the language of Adam correctly. We can do the spell with body and blood and intent and everything just as good as she can. So we can stop this whole thing. We can't get hung up on what just one small possible future might be when there are so many other possible endings to this that end more in our favor. Which is told brilliantly in the the previous episode where they do the time jump because rewatching I won't lie rewatching that uh, previously on Lovecraft Country I didn't remember how many genres this show goes through I mean it deep dives science fiction it goes through superheroes it dives through action adventure Indiana Jones style like there's there's a little bit of everything in there um, but in his time jumping seeing and realizing that he was the hero of the past that he's heard about uh, showed him that pretty much anything's possible and he 
definitely is the hero of this story. Uh, yes, that was actually a very cool little twist that I kind of predicted when we got to that episode and they went back in time because they had mentioned it so many times earlier in the season about the mysterious man with a baseball bat who came and saved us and said, I got you kid. And now they're back in time and they know the story and they're at the location. All the shit goes down and they're waiting for the guy to show up. And why isn't the guy here yet? And I'm looking at my TV going, because it's you <laughs> pick up the bat. Like, come on. Like, okay, we get it. We're there. Um, but yes, the, the, the time jumping was very cool. And I had never read the book, so I don't know how much of that time jumping was accurate to what the book had gone through. But if it was augmented all for the TV series, it was done in a very clean and concise way, in my opinion, where they gave you just enough information of what the characters doing the time jumping were going through. Mm -hmm. to move the story and the plot along to get them to where they needed to. There wasn't a whole lot of fat on that bone. No. It was a, it was a trim, it was a very trim, tight story. A lot of the things that were different, and not to only derail briefly, um, the story of uh, Jia is not in, she's completely made up for the movie, um, for the show. Oh, okay. Uh, which was... Honestly, it was only after I had seen it and went, let me go look through, like, go read through some of the things that were different because it had been a while since I had read the book. And I was like, she felt she felt so natural to the plot of the story that it actually was a surprise to me. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. Um, William and What's-Her-Face Christina are mm -hmm. one dude, not, you know, the, the pair, so to speak. Uh, and it's mostly a dude, Caleb. Um, there's a couple other differences, but yeah, that the time jump plots, there just not as you're, you're correct. It is form fit in beautifully in the show. Right. So, and the, so the main reason they do the time jump thing is kind of where this starts out this episode. Yes. They're trying to stop Christina, but the, the pressing incident right now is that Diana uh, has been cursed and they're trying to lift the curse that had been put on her in previous episodes. Um, they managed to do this through, I don't even know what you would call it. It's, is it, is it like a dream world? Is it alternate dimension? Is yeah. It, it's other, it's, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Other in quotes. Um, they're all standing around the bed trying to figure out what to do. And all of a sudden, uh, Letty and Tick go unconscious and just pass out. And their consciousnesses are in other places now doing what needs to be done so that the spell in the current and the present can work and they lift the curse, uh, even though her arm remains all withered and husk-like. Mm-hmm. Um, Which uh, later leads to a wonderful moment between her and her mom, where her mom's come back from the future, I think. Uh, with the blue yeah, the, hair. And the future and the past and the future. And yes. yes. Oh, right. That's right. All era kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, with the blue hair. And she is the character in which her daughter drew. Uh, and that ends with a very cool little nod to the science fiction of the show where Dee has a cyber crush arm. We'll get to the poignancy of that near the end. But they, uh, they're, they are heading to the manor. 
great there there's that one moment i think it's probably the the definitive moment in the whole episode where they're all singing together and it's such a sort of throw off but it's really a sweet moment where they all just kind of are they going to die are they going to live are they going to fix it are they going like it doesn't matter they're a family um and they sing shaboom which was a great choice although it just reminds me of clue no matter what exactly it's but, so ingrained yeah, in my no, head. So yeah, because, I mean, that scene, it, you're right. It feels completely detached from the rep, from the rest of the episode, yet it is intrinsic to that episode because it's, it's akin to, you know, fantasy movies, warriors going into battle and the bards kind of singing their way in and like keeping the spirits high, even though they're going into a battle that they know probably all of us are not going to walk away from. Right. And to see it start with Diana, who's in like the very back, like the back back seat that we used to ride in when we were kids before it became <laughs> illegal to sit in the back of the station wagon <laughs> kind of thing. And she's singing along. And then the one sister starts joining in and then Jihad joins in and now it's her in the whole back seat singing and then out of nowhere Tick just kind of jumps in on the male solo like oh, so over the top yeah that very much so the other people who in the car who are still kind of like very morose and tense and blah 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 like they can't help but start chuckling to the point when the father Montrose is the only one still sitting there with this grumpy Gus look on his face. They all kind of like point to him. And mm-hmm. even though he's grumpy, Gus, he still does the song line that is supposed to. And it was, it was very, very well done. And yes, everybody's all laughing and ha ha and singing as you see the, you know, the, the shot from behind the cars, it tools on down the road into the sunset. And then the shit hits the fan. Um, right. so it was very well paced to kind of have that in the middle. Yeah. It's a perfect moment. And if we, he doesn't really have as much to do with the story throughout Montrose was a bigger part should be said like freaking, I saw him and I was like, holy shit, we lost him last year. Like we lost that actor, um, Michael Kenneth Williams from Omar from the wire. He is so fucking good in Lovecraft country. Very good. Just a dude fighting his demons. Yep. So good. Sorry, I just want to make make a point of that because I had forgotten that he had passed, and was just like, "Oh shit, we lost a really good one." Yep. Ugh. All right, they get to the manor. Yes, and so I was a little bit lost because Tick is walking up to the manor, and then like out of the weird shadows, all these like they almost looked like pilgrims. You know, like, like kind of like <laughs> right. uh, American Gothic dressed kind of they, they come walking out. They kind of take him by the arms and they're walking with him. And I'm like, are, are these are these spirits? Are these visions? Is are they really there? Is he seeing this? Are these, quote unquote, ancestors are like coming to. I was a bit lost for five minutes, not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? It's just like. It's just the Richie Rich, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah, it's like the servants of the the the, the people from the manor and the leftovers and stuff. Like uh, and the, the people who lived in the little town or village or whatever you want to call it that was right. you know below the the manor when it was there. Um but it like it almost it almost felt very West Side Story kind of 
you know, get cool boy kind of thing because <laughs> he's walking up and like in unison, it's just here's eight more people that just kind of like walk out of various alcoves and start walking along with him. And he's even like, what the fuck is going on? So it did catch me a little bit off guard until we cut to the other family members who are in different locations trying to set up wards and, and magical protection on like bridges and stuff that the same thing is happening too. And it was like, oh, no, okay, they're getting ambushed. Yeah, this is this is bad for them. Yeah, and which leads to the one, I would say, major twist of their uh, plan where uh, Letty and Ruby are setting up the spell. They're going to get ready to, to, to protect Tick when come to find that it is not, in fact, Ruby. It's Christina, and they have... Uh, cat fight up in the tower they get into the the heart of the problem between uh letty and ruby it's it's all very good like that's one of the the major family plot problems is ruby dealing with her flaws as a person and i'm not sorry not ruby letty dealing with her problems that she left ruby and it all comes through with ruby as christina which is so interesting and they fight, and Ruby falls to the ground. I'm sorry, Letty. I keep fucking saying the wrong name. Letty falls to the ground dead. Yeah, that caught me off guard. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I didn't see or think that the whole Christina is Ruby thing was going to happen. We've already seen that she can do this kind of, like, body assumption thing. Um but I honestly thought that Ruby had flipped and when they're up there in that tower and they're talking and she does that whole, you know, this was the first time I felt like I actually had a family. I was just, just as it was sinking into Letty's brain, what had happened, I was watching it verbally going, oh shit. Yeah. Oh crap. Fuck. And yeah, that did not end the way I thought it was going to end. Even when she got like, Judo kicked out the window and they did that that weird plummeting fall thing where clearly she's lying on a green blanket just flailing and they're, you know, moving the CGI ground up at her very quickly. I still had it in my head that somehow she was going to, like, stop six inches before she hit the ground kind of thing. Oh, sure. I was just waiting for that and here we go. Yep, any minute. Oh, oh. Oh, she, she went splat. That's, mm -hmm. hmm. Now, it's, it was one of those, if you were paying attention kind of things that I only remembered that Letty didn't die. I didn't remember how, but uh, there is a subplot about a invulnerability spell that Letitia gets um, that Christina puts on her, takes away, and then later puts back, I believe, because of the baby. Um, and so... She's not actually dead. She she does inevitably, you know, re-knit and stand back up. But it is definitely, if you're not, if you don't have it in your head that she got the invulnerability back, um, it really is a heart-jumping moment. The next sequence is the, the sacrifice of Tick. And I, this is where I was blown away, like floored. Because I was not expecting Tick, who is the hero of the show, um, 
love him or hate him, you know, he's a, he's an interesting character, flawed, but hero. I mean, they brutally gut him. She slices his arm open and like the shower of blood. Yes. Is, is Tarantino esque in its brutality. So, uh, just to interject here, because this this scene was like one of quote unquote those scenes that defines a TV series. Um, so the fact that you have this actress Abby Lee who's playing Christina, uh, she is reed thin. She is kind of classically supermodel gorgeous. Yeah, she translucent is white. Very, yeah, I will use the term Aryan in the look because she's very blue-eyed, almost white blonde hair. Very, like you said, almost translucent white, uh, pale skin, mm-hmm. pencil thin, in this kind of white, gauzy, lacy kind of dress. And she pulls out this sword and she's speaking the language of Adam and it's, it's slice and it's slice. And when she cuts, when James says he cuts his arms open... It's like from elbow to wrist down the inside of each arm. So it is just fountains of blood spraying forward. And the only other scene that popped into my head was the fucking nightclub scene from Blade. When (laughs) she walks forward into that just like waterfall of blood and she's like head back, open mouth, just letting it gush over. If it was a shower... Just like a shower in the bathroom, this would have been like an NC-17 rating scene. Yeah, it's Carrie levels of Oh, yeah, but like erotic Carrie because she was into it and she was all like, yes. And it was just, it was very weird, but yes, very definitive of this episode and the series overall, the way it looked. And to the, the last detail of that, which I would love to point out is... The dress she's wearing, which, like you said, was sort of this gauzy, white, lacy thing, is now perfectly stained red. I mean, I I don't know whether they, like, redressed her in a red dress to make it look that way, but it is so well done. Yeah, 100% they did. Because after she gets covered in blood and she keeps talking through the spell, like, the blood on her face just kind of, like, evaporates away. And it's just left and she's in... It's the same dress, but it's now red. So good. But yeah, it was so well done. Very well done. Um, And as as Tick is bleeding out, he sees over Christina's shoulder as she's finishing this invulnerability spell. Letty is now standing there because she has gotten up and she's looked down and she suddenly has the invulnerability mark on her again. So she comes running forward just in time to see Tick, her husband, and the father of the child that she's carrying mm-hmm. bleed out. And she runs Christina through with the sword that she used to cut Tick open with. Which, in this instance, isn't enough because Correct. the spell has occurred. Christina yes. is now uh, mortal. But wait, there's, there's more. There's more. <laughs> and this is where like the whole plot of the, the subplots of the show, you know, come together. Cause there's that long form story about Jia and the 
curse in the hair tentacles, which is fucking creepy and makes you gag. Um, because she uses that to shoot through Tick and Christina, which helps uh, them complete said spell. Which is fantastically visual. It doesn't make much sense without context. I, I, I it, would say that... It really does please. I mean, no. even in context, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. No. Um, when she, I first saw that character and what happened to her, like, honestly, I have seen just the smallest, tiniest enough amount of Naruto episodes to watch what was happening and go, is she a Ninetail Fox spirit? Like, I had no idea what the name of it was. Right. But I, I'm like, really? Is that a thing and then that's what she says she is and i was like huh okay i remember my sonic hedgehog lore yeah exactly <laughs> excuse me sir this is a uh, level four sonic hedgehog um yeah but it was it again you saying she wasn't in the book i have never read the book cool i don't know how they kind of assimilated the end uh, that they wrote, I'm guessing by this point, the end of the TV series is now vastly different than the end of the book. Um, yeah. They had to figure out a way to make it work. And I'm not entirely sure the logic that they used because, Hey, the sword through her back didn't kill her because she's invulnerable, but the Fox eyes that have shot out of, Gia's eyes now enveloping Christina are somehow I, I don't understand the mathematical equation that they used yeah and I'm sure we could overanalyze it and reanalyze it and we could concoct a reason why the white stone and the black stone have to fight each other on the island but I didn't make this reference this time no, you didn't. But this show is 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 related, um, distinctly with said scary island. Uh, but it it does make sense enough that you go, oh, you know enough to go, oh, white people can't do magic now. Well, shit, because <laughs> that's really the the point they're going for. Um, in the book, it's left more sort of open ended, and it's more about the results of uh, Caleb or. Not just, not all of white kind. Um, but Tick's dead, which is fucking, what? That was, I think, the, the, the Tick actually dying was my biggest surprise. Because if there was a season two, and at the point in time that I was watching the finale, I was very like, oh, I can't wait for season two. Um, I didn't think they would get rid of Tick. But since there was no season two, it was the perfect ending. Yeah, uh... I was prepared for him to legitimately die when Letty came back. Because I didn't believe that they could end the season with both of them still alive. For some reason, my brain had said, one of these two is not going to make it. So sure. when Letty fell and died, I was like, oh, that's like, Tick's going to be very upset about that. But conversely, I guess I should have realized that if any one of them were to die, it was going to be him because it's his son 
that grows up and writes the book Lovecraft Country, which the characters in this TV show actually come across in the future and mm-hmm. bring back to their time to kind of read up on what might be befalling them in the future. So if the son is going to write that book, then Letty has to end up surviving. And um, also a sports almanac. Yes. So, yeah, so he actually dies, and the nine-tailed fox spirit does whatever the script required of them to... <laughs> As they do. Yeah, to, to kill Christina, further collapsing the ruins of the manor that are already collapsed. When everything kind of comes to after the big cosmic explosion, uh, Christina is now trapped under rubble. Uh, and Letty kind of comes walking up to her and she's like, oh yeah, it's over. Yeah, no, we, we own magic now. And this was the line that made me think a season two would have been very difficult to pull off. When Christina says, I'm trapped. And Letty says, oh no, not just you. All white people. Right. And I was like... I just don't know, and yes, I am a white cis male, I get it, but I don't know how you get enough audience buy-in from a show that starts where that show would have had to start from. <laughs> and I, it's... it's like, how do you, get, how do you keep an audience when you took all the white people's magic? I, but like, I feel even like <laughs> I feel sentence. terrible. No, I even get it. Saying that sentence because no, I'm with you. E- the other half of my brain is going, "Hello, roots." Like, what? It's how is that any different? And and I totally get it. And it's very hypocritical. And it's it's a, a whole messy topic to discuss. But I just don't know how they i don't know how they would have gone forward i just i don't see a path that would have worked i am certain there is one there i am not yeah. that creative of a person i i do think there is and i think that there's an interesting world um in which people of color have uh something above and on just your every average day European white folk, I think there's an interesting universe that could be building from that. Maybe you take it very extreme, maybe you take it very subtle, but I think there's definitely cool stories to tell. I do agree with you that it would be divisive, to say the least. Um, but there The are, least. The least. I mean, I spent this morning, and this is vaguely unrelated, somewhat related, I spent this morning surfing through a YouTuber who every single one of his videos, and he's got a following of people, are, wow, Woke Disney fails again. Next one. What are they doing to Thor? The MCU really is boned it up. Disney is doomed. I saw the MCU comment. I just went. (sighs) And I watched about five minutes of a video and I looked at all of his videos and this dude doesn't enjoy anything. Yet he talks about there are shows you and I love. There are shows you and I hate. There are shows we disagree about. But we at least go, you know what, it's not my cuppa. We don't say we love Marvel and then go, but it's all garbage. Because that is dumb. Um, Point being, I think that there is definitely an interesting universe, but there would be a YouTuber 
who really hates this show. And he has a following, and we know who he voted for. There's, I mean, there's people that didn't like this show. That's true. And more specifically, they didn't enjoy or like this show's pedigree. Uh, In stating that, I want to mention a quote here that I was reading in Critical Response. Uh, And this is right from the Wikipedia page. In an analysis of the series, Maya Phillips of the New York Times criticized it for exploiting the past for purposes of its convoluted fiction, despite a promising premise. She accused the show's creator of using historical events purely to get points for relevance, notable examples of this being the funeral of Emmett Till and the Tulsa Race Massacre, both of which are featured in the show. So Mm -hmm. I immediately pulled up the Wikipedia page for Watchmen... And oddly enough, did not see any of the same criticism, even though they touch on the same themes. Tulsa is a Granted, it was the Tulsa race riots of 2019 in The Watchmen, Mm -hmm. but it was a mirror for what had happened and history repeating itself. And not one person ever said, oh, my God, I can't believe they used, you know, the the premise of the Tulsa race riots just to promote their, you know, a story point for relevance in their stupid superhero series. Yeah. Why didn't why didn't that come up? I don't want to think that it's because one was done by Damon Lindelhoff and one was done by Jordan Peele. But there were but. definitely similarities in the basis of those storytellings that did not happen. Yeah. You are 1,000% correct. And there's not much I, I think you've said at all right there. I don't think anything I could add will. At, at some point in time, I'll say something stupid. So. <laughs> Direct your hate mail to something something cast at gmail.com. Indeed. Um, so I, I did, while we were going over that, I, I found it interesting that when we're talking about a show that neither of us watched the whole of it of, whether it's a true blood or something like, ah, there was this hot chick and she did this thing, which I assume means this. And I saw a wiki of this in this episode, we talked more about like, no, 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 we understand what's going on. And it's still confusing as hell. Um, from a perspective of watching a show and just the finale, Lovecraft Country, uh, fails. You really, but that said, it's a 10 episode show. Watch the whole fucking thing. It's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And so just to, to the overarching of it, uh, the main character in Lovecraft country, uh, Atticus Tick Freeman played by Jonathan majors, who also played, uh, the man behind the curtain in Loki. Um, and soon to be, I mean, well, same guy, but yes, But watching him act in Lovecraft Country, I got very serious young Denzel vibes from him. I could see that. Like, the way he would listen to something absolutely horrible with a very stoic face, and then the way he would kind of, like, turn his head away like he was kind of letting it all dissolve in and then look back just with like 
the specific grimace or the way he would screw up his face and and get angry out of nowhere just felt very very young Denzel. That's not to take anything away from Jonathan Majors. If anything, no, it's, more, it's anything. It's more of a compliment because I'm looking at him like, wow, like he just he chewed up every scene he was in. Yes, he's the male lead, so he was in a lot of them. But like, there was no <laughs> scene that he was in where he fell to the background or did not have his presence known in the scene. Yeah. One thousand percent. He, um, I think Denzel's an interesting shout. I think, and the minute you said it, I saw that like tilt of head, that very Denzel tilt of head. And it may just be because I've watched a bunch of Denzel impersonators the last week. I'll explain later. Um, that I 100% see it. I, he's got a career, Especially, you know, it doesn't hurt that he's going to be the next big MCU villain. Um, he'll have a ton of name credits uh, on his IMDb. It's not a very long docket compared to other actors, uh, some even in Lovecraft. But I, I'm looking forward to his future because he, he really is going to he's gonna do some good shit. Oh, 100%. He was... Oh, I didn't know he was into Five Bloods. Like, I'm just looking at it now. I don't remember him from that. That was a great movie, too, though. I'm unfamiliar. Uh, I want to say it was Chadwick Boseman's last movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was in one other TV show before Lovecraft Country, and then he was in Loki. And yeah. A lot of shorts, a lot of TV stuff. A couple of movies. Yeah. Uh, and then he will be in Creed 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That's what I'm super interested in. Who's he going to be in Creed 3? Oh, there you Good. go. Have you have you seen the Creed I have, movies? I have not. <gasps> I haven't even seen all the Rocky movies yet. I think I stopped at four. I tapped out. Oh, my God. There's so many other good ones. All right. There's one other good one, but still. Okay. And I even, I like the fifth one, but nobody else does. And I accept that. Wasn't That's that, because was make... that Rocky Goes to Camp? <laughs> Rocky scared stupid. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you for going along with me on that one there. No problem. So what did you folks think about Lovecraft Country? Did you think that it got uh, a good send-off? Do you think it should have gotten a season two? Do you respect the fact that they didn't do a season two? Are there other shows we're missing? And what do you feel about a world where white people don't have magic, unlike now? Where can they tell us? You can find everything about us over at somethingcast.com. It is the repository for all things something. All the links to the different podcatchers that you can listen to us on. You can listen to us embedded right through the webpage. You can find our Twitter, our Instagram, our, our Facebook. All of those links are right over there on somethingcast.com. Uh, if you would like to support us in other ways and buy things that we make, you can go to shop.somethingcast.com. Uh, note to all of those people with calendars or phones that are smart that they can set appointments in May 19th through the 21st is live stream for the cure six. It will be our third time being a part of it. It will be the sixth time live stream for the cure is happening. We are raising money for the cancer research Institute. Our target this year is $20,000. It is three days of podcasters and content creators coming forth to try to raise money to help make a world immune to cancer. 
We previously were on at 9 p.m. on Saturday. A scheduling snafu came up with another fantastic creator on the show that needed to switch dates. So we offered our date to them to make it easier for them. So we will now be on 9 p.m. Friday night, May 20th. Uh, We are going to do, uh, well, I will be emceeing, but Monfrere Hatton will be going toe-to-toe with uh, Mr. Nicholas Haskins of the Epic Film Guys in some movie quote trivia. I know the answers, and I guarantee you this is going to be a fantastic time. Which is brilliant, since I am legendarily a butcherer of quotes. Oh, 100%. You and me both. Um, Which is why I'm glad I'm going to have them written down in front of me. Uh, but yes, you can find out everything that you do need to know about the event over at livestreamforthecured.com. The early donation link is up. Should you want to throw some shekels at a fantastic cause early, come and join us. Come and see all the other great content creators. Uh, share the website through your own various social medias that you have. The more eyes we get on the event, the bigger the event will be, the more money we can raise and hope for a world immune to cancer. And with that said, thank you all for joining us for the end. We'll see you next week with another of the classic something episodes. I'm James Hatton. I'm Podcast Rob. We'll see you next time. Later.